Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. This is Cameron Tebetabai. I'll be quarterbacking today. Uh, later, we'll be joined by special guest Brian Robb of the Boston Sports Journal to discuss some looming questions and worries that might be plaguing the Celtics. But first, as always, I'm here with Justin Quinn, and we have a little bit of news to discuss. Hello, Justin. How's it going? Yeah, I can't complain. Uh, we get a little bit of snow and some freezing cold temperatures. So it is officially the dog days of the NBA regular season. How are things in Mexico? There's snow at all here. Uh, lots of pollen. Uh, if I excuse me in advance, if I start coughing up a lung on you, it's not COVID. Don't worry, just seasonal allergies. Lovely. Uh, well, if you, as you might be dealing with some health issues, we have some Celtics that are finally not. Uh, Kemba Walker looks like his knee is pretty healthy. Um, Time Lauren is back in the fold. Jason Tatum is back in a big way, and it finally looks like the Celtics are enjoying a moment of good health luck. Uh, what have you seen from that? What have you seen in the past few games that you're liking or worried about or confused about? A little concerned uh, about post-COVID effects. Uh, we knew that Rob Williams uh, had been dealing with some fairly significant uh, symptoms, waking up in cold sweats, I believe he said mm-hmm. uh, in a recent interview. And you know what was originally billed as an asymptomatic case uh, for Jason Tatum, turns out it wasn't asymptomatic. It was just mostly asymptomatic. The first night he did feel some pretty significant symptoms. And, you know, for the, thereafter, uh, last night, he revealed that he was, you know, in his own head worrying about, like, what's going to happen to me? Am I imagining this feeling? Should I be feeling this? Can I smell that? Um, it really, it's, it's concerning to me. And, you know, Jason Tatum has looked pretty good so far in, in his single game back. A little rusty, but definitely looking a little thinner. But Rob Williams has been kind of up and down. Like he had some good moments against the 76ers, but he was kind of just a non-factor against the Bulls. And as far as Kemba goes, uh, he looks great. He looks fine, but it's early. You know, it's very early in the season. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. I try, I mean, we're getting to a point where some of the statistics are actually significant and you can play around with, but it's still very early in the season. And especially a team like the Celtics uh, that's dealing with reasonable roster continuity. There's a lot of tinkering. There's a lot of um, messing around on the margins. So I'm not too worried about individual outcomes, um, but certainly anything related to COVID gives you pause. So I'm happy that uh, Rob Williams and Tatum are back. And I'm hoping that the Celtics can avoid any other outbreaks or actually getting people sick with COVID, but who knows? Uh, we saw the Celtics go on a three-game losing streak, um, but then had huge wins against well, a big, big win against Cleveland and a win against Chicago. Um, and all along the way, Jalen Brown looked like a total stud. Um, what are your thoughts there? Is what Brown doing sustainable? Is this winning sustainable? Is there a ceiling to what we're seeing? 
I think we're seeing about maybe a little bit better, just a little bit better than what we should probably expect uh, going forward, at least. I think they sure. are winning at a pretty solid clip. And as far as, as Jalen, I don't want to, I don't even want to, finish the sentence, but <laughs> um, it shouldn't be sustainable. I mean, his shot is so wet. It's just like, it seems like everything he touches is going in. Uh, he just has so much confidence and he just moves like a superstar. I mean, he moves like a superstar. He's playing like a superstar and we shouldn't expect this to continue. It would be amazing. Like it would be on par with, if not better than the star leap we saw from Tatum last season. And I want it to be real. I think it's mostly real, but I do think that we are going to see it come back down to earth, particularly once we have all three of Kemba, Tatum, and Brown competing for touches and trying to figure out how to best distribute those touches. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right that uh, Tatum's shot is flying a little too close to the sun. I mean, there's just, it's superhuman. Um, what I really love is the defense. I mean, Brown is, has the... F- physical skills to be a great defender but we've seen him uh lose focus or make kind of bonehead errors time to time and this year it it seems like that is happening less and less so so long as he maintains that uh, as well as the rest of the team i'm okay with him shooting at a slightly more sustainable clip um, especially with Kemba coming back and a few other guys kind of getting more comfortable uh overall I, i mean we're still it's only if this was the nfl you know the middle of week three it's still early but um, how are you feeling about the offense? How are you feeling about the defense? Let's just check the temperature of the room. How are you feeling about what the Celtics are doing on both sides of the ball? Well, it seems like they are going to have to make some decisions, which you know we can talk about in a second. Uh, but as to where they're going to put all these healthy players, they've kind of found some ways to you know deal with log jams uh, with some players out. They've found some ways to kind of patch together some positional uh shall we say, shallowness around the four, for example, while doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of been a problem defensively. Well, not kind of, it has been a problem defensively. <laughs> and, you know, offensively, this team is fine as long as we have one of the three uh, stars, I guess you could say, of the team in terms of offense on the floor with competent offensive players next to them. And it's really able to keep pace, I think, with most teams in the league, if not all teams in the league, when you have two of them on the floor. But at some point, soon, we're going to have three of them on the floor. And, you know, you would think that if you add more, more is better. But, I mean, we have, you know, multiple seasons in in recent years where we have seen that more, in fact, is not always better. Yes, and that's the case. And even if that's not the case, there are teams in the East who are deciding that more is better. Um, And when you think about how good this Nets team could be, Um, When you think about how scary a Bucks team with a version of Giannis that can actually shoot free throws um, and you never know what Daryl Morey is up to. I mean, the the Celtics neighborhood might not be content. And so I wonder if the Celtics just kind of progress at their own clip, if that's going to be good enough and an Eastern conference that perhaps is very improved, but surely slightly improved. There's a couple of names that just popped up today as we were recording this um, as potentially uh, being on the market. Uh, You have to imagine Danny Ainge is at least, you know, making some exploratory calls about these guys if he's not already done so. 
Uh, I'm not real crazy about them, though, uh, as I was saying off the pod earlier to you. Um, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick reportedly getting a lot of interest and the Pelicans who are not doing very well, uh, supposedly hearing offers uh, receptively. Any, any thoughts on this? I mean, for me, I'm not crazy about bringing on expiring contracts with TPE, assuming that's what we're, we're going to be doing. Yeah, it's, uh, I kind of actually feel the opposite. I think that either of these could be a really interesting opportunity. Um, in Redick, uh, you get a shooter, obviously. You get a veteran. What he has on the defensive end, I don't know. And his shot hasn't been... Uh, as deadly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that one uh, gives me pause. If the price is right, I would rather him free. Uh, you know, <laughs> take him uh, on. Sure. Uh, but even you know, one of the end of the bench players um, that the Celtics have, like I'd trade Shammy for uh, JJ uh, or something like that. Um, I'm really intrigued by Lonzo. Uh, I think. You know, we'll ask B-Rob about um, ball handling duties and what the return of Kemba means, but I'm still not super high on Marcus Smart or Peyton Pritchard running the second unit. Um, Lonzo really has the chops to keep an offense running and in line, and he's a great defender. Um, He gave the Celtics a little bit of... um, flexibility a little bit of insurance against uh injury say smart has to miss a few games um so i'm really intrigued uh by lonzo uh i don't know that i would find a home for him in boston long term um and to that end you're right that trading for an expiring that you don't intend on keeping is kind of problematic but uh, i could really talk myself into lonzo on the celtics i don't i i think you disagree well, Lonzo, I can at least see a path for making sense because you get the bird rights. He makes $11 million, so you still have a very large chunk of that TPE left at the end of the season that you can still go out and get a very good player. And if he ends up walking in free agency because he gets an offer that's you know pretty much anything much, much bigger than he's earning now is going to be probably too big for Boston to want to take on. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, there's the whole ball brother family thing I'm not even going to touch on. Um, but <laughs> you know, putting that aside, you 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 do at least have two pass forwards where if you do get lucky and maybe he makes like $15 million a year, that's what he ends up getting offered. You match that and if he if that ends up working out for everybody, then you you get exactly what you're talking about. Um, also he's not shooting so great this year, but he has shot pretty well as recently as last season on significant attempts per game, like five or six attempts per game. So the, the possibility of him as a floor spacer does exist. And the, the playmaking is exactly what the second unit needs. Um, he didn't, they don't really need him to score very much. So I, I do think that there is a path, at least for Lonzo, to make sense with it for Boston. Um, but it really depends on what they have in mind with the TPE long-term. Truly. Uh, you know, you have to take everything that we're hearing, even from, you know, Woj and Shams with a grain of salt. But a few other names were floated uh, earlier this week. I'd love to get your thoughts. I personally would stay away, but uh, Andre Drummond and Kevin Love uh, were supposedly linked. Nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, linked to the Nets, but whenever any player is included in trade rumors, Celtics fans get excited. It's our duty to talk about that. But 
Yeah, let's put that to bed right now. <laughs> no, it's just like, what are you going to trade for them? I mean, you'd have to take the entire bench and amalgamate them, which is not happening, you know, probably even in the summer when you have more roster spots and flexibility. But I mean, it's certainly not happening now in the middle of a season. Uh, nobody has the cap space uh, to absorb all these players, so they have to end up getting cut. And it's just, mm-hmm. it, there's just no path for it, for, for Boston at least. Boston could conceivably do kind of a Cleveland thing where they pick up... A- <coughs> excuse me there was the coughing a Jared Allen type player um you know maybe you know I'm pretty sure that PJ Tucker for example isn't somebody that Houston wants to hang on to for the rest of the season so maybe something like that ends up happening where Boston can kind of like facilitate some stuff um with the TPE and pick up a player that way but these are not the players specifically that I think that Boston will be looking at or really really could be looking at yeah, I'm in total agreement. I mean, <clears throat> you know how I felt about the rumors about Miles My- Turner. I don't want to be overpaying for a big man in this league. Well, I and... double that amount of money. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, I think we're in agreement there. Um, I think of names that have kind of been floated around, Lonzo would be the most intriguing uh, for me personally, my flavor, but I don't think that any of the names that I've seen recently in the news really makes sense for the Celtics, um, which is a perfect segue. We'll ask B-Rob when he joins us what the C's might be up to with his TPE so we can get more in the weeds uh, with our good friend B-Rob. All right. We are very excited to welcome in Brian Robb of Boston Sports Journal. Brian's going to help us crack the code on some of the hard decisions that might be looming large for the Celtics this season. Brian, how are you? Good guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the lab. So uh, B Rob, we know you are short for time, so we'll get to as many of these as we can. um, And hopefully you can offer a little bit of clarity for some of the issues that are facing the seas at the moment, or maybe they're not issues and we're (laughs) making this up. We'll see. Uh, So we have, what is, a classic Celtics problem. We have a log jam out of position and it looks like the big man rotation is a little bit confusing. Uh, we have talked ad nauseum about the double big lineup, so we won't <laughs> hopefully ever again, but Brian, what do you make of the center position for the Celtics? Who do you think um, Stevens aspires to start who should start and kind of what's the, the long play down low for the seas? Yeah, it's a really interesting question since the, you know, the, the double big lineup for, for as bad as it has been at various points of this year um, is actually starting to look decent in the last couple of games when the wins over the Cavs and then over the, uh, the Bulls on Monday night. And I think a lot, big part of that is I think Tice is really looking like the guy that won the starting job last year. Again, mm-hmm. um, he's, He's finishing well. Um, you know, I guess he's kind of figured out how to play power forward a little bit better when he has to play alongside Tristan Thompson. But when he does get to play, you know, as out there as, as a single bigger, as a center, um, I think he's been far away the best guy in the roster, one of the best finishers on the roster um, in the month of January. So it's, a, it's, it's interesting to see what they're going to do here. Cause I guess guys, you could, you could, I would, you would think that Marcus Smart is going to stay in the starting five with Kemba and, and Tatum and, and Brown, obviously when everyone gets back here, but you know, with, with Pritchard out, you could conceivably, you know, make the case if, if you want to, if you want to prioritize minutes for Rob Williams and stuff off the bench as well, that, 
maybe you do roll out the double big lineup for a few minutes each half just to, and, you know, maybe even started some games in certain matchups. So ultimately though, I do think like Tice is the guy Thompson looks like he's playing his way into shape and Rob Williams. I think they're going to definitely try to give him 15 minutes tonight either way. So it's going to come down to, um, you know, can Tristan Thompson gain more, I guess, chemistry and, you know, maybe fitness after his injury. And um, in terms of reaching a level that Tice is at already. Yeah. Let me follow that up, Brian. What's your panic level after watching the Celtics go back to back with the Sixers? I mean, Tristan was brought in presumably to be a big body against a guy like Embiid and Embiid, uh, similarly ate the Celtics lunch money. What do you make of that? Or are you not too worried? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I don't think you can feel great about that performance. If you're the Celtics um, defensively from, from Thompson's perspective, I mean, he was, and I, I think you have to give some of the credit to Embiid of this year. He just, I don't know if it's Doc Rivers or just his progression or having some, some real shooters around him to, to maximize the space that he has in the paint. Um, but going for 40 points in two straight games, essentially, uh, is a pretty big deal. So we know Tice is not the answer there. We know Rob Williams is not the answer there. If Tristan Thompson is not, you know, doing even as well as like Cantor was in that front last year, then that's not great. Um, Tatum was out for that game. I do wonder, I think the Celtics were as a team, not necessarily dialed in defensively sure. in those games either, which does make a difference. Um, when you're facing off with a guy like Embiid, but yeah, like that's when you look at the big picture of what this team needs to do and where they're going to look at, you know, at the trade deadline, I would think like if, if they're not confident that Tristan Thompson's defense is coming along um, or has just, you know, fallen off a little bit from the last couple of years, then, you know, you, that is an area you might, you know, you, you at least have to kick the tires on in, the, in that spot for maybe a better defender for that kind of a matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, any thoughts on the center position before we swing it to the guard position? Um, not too much that we haven't already discussed. Uh, I do want to say that I feel pretty vindicated that we can actually see Time Lord and Tice on the floor at the same time. Uh, I was kind of throwing that out there earlier this season on Celtics Wire as just kind of like a desperation move since it was so bad to start. Um, but really, like well, how, what I'm most interested in is seeing like how these combinations can can kind of like maybe also play in synergy with some of the, the guard action that we have seen uh, between some of these players. Yeah. The, the Tice Rob Williams combo that, that was probably like the one bright spot of that, that those two games in Philly, I would say since that did seem to work. And like, I would have been one of those people that like, I'm not sure that's like a realistic possibility now, but I think now with Tice just playing, maybe it's just Tice just playing better in general. And again, trying to figure out, what he can do at the four as opposed to the five in those, in those spots, whether it's from the corner or whatnot. And we know obviously what Rob Williams can do, you know, as just a rim runner in the paint. So yeah, like if, if Tice is going to be able to hit some threes, then that's something that, you know, that's a duo against certain lineups against bigger lineups that I think the case can be made to, to, to roll it out there a little bit more and see, see what it can do. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so encouraging to see Tice, is so unafraid to just use his body as a weapon still. And perhaps the refs are being a little nicer to him, but uh, I suppose it's a work in progress because Tristan Thompson does appear to be playing himself in shape. Uh, B-Rob, we're going to switch to the backcourt now uh, with another hard decision. 
uh, or maybe an opportunity, depending on how you view it. With Kemba back in the lineup, suddenly there's opportunity at the guard rotation, which was once you know a weak spot for the Celtics early on in the season. Um, assuming Kemba's going to ramp up and uh, eventually well, actually, let me ask you this. What do you know about how long this minutes restriction is set to last? I would assume at least another week here. And to be honest, guys, like I would be shocked if they're playing him above 30 minutes in the regular season period, like yeah. maybe like 31, 32, like at points at his, at his peak. But given his age and given his history here, I don't think that's, you know, you don't want to be stepping your foot on the gas at all with his minutes, especially when you have so much other offensive firepower on this roster when everyone's at full strength. So I presume that it's going to take him another week or two to get up to that max, but I honestly think it's, you know, 30, 31 is probably the max. And then I wouldn't expect him to play back to backs maybe at all this year. I just think that's just another thing that like, if you're the training staff at this point, like why, why risk that? Why not be as careful as possible with it? Yeah. Teague. I mean, where does he fit into all this? He is, shall we say, not quite what we have been hoping for lately. I think that's a fair. <laughs> that's, a nice, that's a nice way of putting it, Justin, I'd say. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, so Teague, Teague to me is kind of like a feast or famine guy at this point based on a yeah. night. Like yeah. you're going to – you know, Brad Stevens is a big fan of him, you know, going back to his, his days, uh, you know, back in Indiana. And so, or at, at Purdue, uh, Butler, I should say, when he was um, recruiting him. And so when Teague has it going, he's like, you know, he can obviously, he can hit the three and he can, you know, create some havoc, get inside of the paint and stuff like that. And so I feel like it's a pretty good indicator, that, you know, a few minutes into a stint, like what kind of version you're going to get of Teague the night. You're going to get the guy that's hitting shots, you know, making smart decisions um, and just looks like, you know, he could be a starting point guard on a team, a, a good team in the NBA. And that's the guy, you know, we saw opening against against the bucks and a couple other times this year. And then there's other nights where <laughs> it's just not there. And his finishing around the rim has been brutal um, all year long. Um, I think he's shooting like 30% from the field or something like that, which is crazy when he's consider he's like 45% from three. So that's a concern defensively. His limitations are well-documented. Like he's, you know, he's a smart player. He can get some steals, but from a strength standpoint and keeping guys in front of him, um, not so much. So I think ultimately you want Teague to be just, uh, you know, using case of emergency type guy, like a third or four point card on the roster. That's there. If you want to change a pace, but is not reliant to play for 15 or 20 minutes a night. So it'll be interesting to see once, you know, Payne Pritchard's out right now yeah. for the next week. So Teague's minutes are still going to be there, but once Pritchard gets back, that's going to be the test because I don't know what you guys think. Like, I think Pritchard's probably been the better player this year. And so like, I'll be curious. And from a development standpoint, it's probably mm -hmm. the guy you want on the floor a little bit more this year um, when you're thinking about the long-term. Absolutely. Brian, can I ask a question? I posed this to Justin others about a week ago. Do you think the reliance on Pritchard is credit to Pritchard or a condemnation of the Celtics and where they're at? It's a good question. I'd say it's a bit of both, to be honest. I yeah. mean, clearly from the bench perspective early in the year, like 
you know, some of the younger guys are starting to come around now um, and make some contributions, but he was the only guy that was really ready out of the gate and they really needed him um, from, from just obviously uh, a play creation standpoint from the three point shooting standpoint, even defensively, he, you know, he wasn't great or anything, but he, he could hold his own. He like, you know, he was generally in the right spots. And so, yeah, like that was, you know, Danny Ainge has a lot of, I'd say, quote unquote, not lottery tickets on this roster, but just, you know, betting on a lot of young guys by taking all these draft picks and you need a couple of them to stick obviously uh, for that plan to work. And so the pressure was on, you know, Pritchard and Neesmith to a lesser degree. And then obviously other green guys in the roster, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, et cetera, um, to, to kind of fill the void after the seas let, you know, thaw Hayward walk away and honestly didn't really replace him with anyone in the free agent market. So yeah, I've noticed that, <laughs> right. That's, that's been a little bit of a void. Um, and Pritchard obviously has not filled that void himself, um, but he's at least given them someone who can come in and, and play 20 competent minutes off the bench, which is for this team was huge with, with Campbell Walker on the sideline for those first 10 games. Yeah. I mean, and it's been said many times that Pritchard is actually older than Jason Tatum. So maybe we shouldn't be so, so surprised, but the Celtics were either very slick or very lucky in what he's been able to produce early on. Um, B-Rob, we know that your time is limited. So for the, the tail end of our hard decisions, uh, uh, if you had to uh, look into your crystal ball, who do you think on this roster is most likely to be moved? Um, and I guess that's maybe informed by them falling out of favor in, the ro- in their rotation or because they play the right position that the Celtics need to upgrade at. So if you had to guess where and who might be moved. Yeah, that's... That's a really interesting question. Um, I think, to be honest, it's going to be someone of a younger ilk. Um, because I don't, I mean, there's been, you know, chatter before the year. Yeah, you know, it's like a guy like Tice is on an expiring deal. Like maybe you move on from him. I honestly think someone like that, like he's just too important to the team right now to move him. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to, if you're going to make a legitimate run at it this year, um, taking Tice out of that equation, I think, you know, is not going to help because you're probably not going to get adequate value for him. So I think you look down the roster and assuming, again, depending on how big of an upgrade you want to make, like maybe you have to move a younger guy in a deal with first round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the lines of, I mean, I think this is a big few weeks for like someone like Carson Edwards. Right. to be honest, because that's someone who, you know, is again, starting to show some science here. He's looking pretty but, good. Right. He's looking pretty good, which is, I think, great for him right now, because that's, I think, honestly, he's playing for a roster spot to a degree right now. Um, because when you look at who's going to be around this roster, you're going to have to clear out a guy or two if you're going to make an upgrade. And so are you going to outright, like, cut someone like Teague? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, Pritchard, it's been great. Rob Williams isn't going anywhere. I don't think Grant Williams has had his struggles, but I don't think he's going anywhere. So then you just look toward, and then a guy like Javante green, even like he's been one of the a lot of best. burn. Yeah. Exactly. He's been a lot of burn. He's, he's boys of Tatum. They're like best friends. So mm-hmm. I think he's pretty safe. So you look at that just by, you know, process of elimination. It, it, it goes down to just a couple guys in a hurry. 
And I think, you know, Edwards is one of those guys that I don't, I don't think it's, you know, fair by any means, but if you look at who's, if a, a acquisition is made, whose spot is vulnerable, I think Edwards is probably one of those guys at the top of the list. Who, what do you guys think on that? Do you guys, anyone's, you worried about no, anyone? I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's exactly right. I think uh, if you get a little more from Grant down low, then maybe you can talk yourself into moving one of the traditional bigs. But uh, I mean, as much as big men are a dime a dozen in the NBA these days, they're also really an important position with Embiid and Jokic and Davis and all of them. So yeah, Carson, I mean, Javante Green, yeah, he's always shown up in Jason Tatum's social media. So it seems unlikely that he's going anywhere. I think Carson, unfortunately, might be the guy if if there's a move, but I also think that we're going to get the Danny Ainge. We came so close to a deal story <laughs> at the trade deadline pretty soon. I, I mean, normally, yes, I'm with you there, but when you give up two first round, I mean, two second round picks to get a trade exception, yeah, like you got to use it. So they don't necessarily have to use it before the trade deadline, but at the same time, if given how good the top guys in this team look right now, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to wait till the off season because this looks like a team with an upgrade or two could be, uh, could be, you know, up there if everyone else in the East. So who do you think would make sense for an in-season TPE target? We, we've kind of, you know, I won't say beat it to death, but we've, we've covered it a couple of times now, but I, I would love to hear your opinion on, on who you think would actually make sense. Uh, even if it's not necessarily the big TPE, maybe they use the Enos Cantor TPE, like, what, what, do you, what do you see as like a, a smart move for Boston? Yeah. So I think you look at, and a lot of it, I think honestly comes down to like, what does Romeo Lankford look like when he yeah. comes back in Neesmith? Cause I think those guys, I mean, your, your biggest clear need is on the wing or maybe a bigger wing. Um, you know, someone to upgrade the Ojale or the Grant Williams minutes, if you will. And you know, those guys like Ojale has been obviously very solid in that spot, but, I think that's someone you don't want to have to rely on in the postseason. So, I mean, you look at, you know, some of the bigger names, obviously the, the Aaron Gorin's the road that that's going to be out there in terms of like a, a guy who can play the, the four could conceivably like play a versatile five in, in small ball lineups. Um, I also wonder about a guy, I mean, he's been off the radar this year, um, but someone like a, like a Trevor Reza. Who's, oh, Brian, in, who's, not, who's not playing in OKC right now, who's away from the team there, but he's there. He's makes like $9 million. And as a bench backup with wing, that's like someone who could probably still do something for you. So there's, then there's, you can half the Orlando roster. I feel like you could talk about <laughs> here to be honest, like <laughs> Terrence Ross, uh, Fournier, like those guys are more offensive first guys. So I, I kind of depends on you know you could go the shot creation way um if you want with the the backups uh as a as a reserve or if you want to go more defensive minded options you know Gordon fits that you know i think uh ariza can give you some of that still just in the reserve capacity and you know like a harrison barnes type um there there should be a decent number of them out there but the the cost on them will be varying all across the board and i think it's, a lot of it's going to come down to you know especially if this play in tournament this year which teams fall out of it 
and which teams don't because a lot of teams probably will be of the belief that they can still get in the playoffs. And so that's probably going to keep asking prices uh, pretty high to the, to the end theoretically. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, <clears throat> reports that the Cavs or the Pelicans are already looking to be sellers feels a little premature, but you never know. Um, Brian, we have one last hard decision uh, to discuss, then we'll let you go. Um, Jalen Brown, does he make all NBA first, second, or third team this year? Oof. That is... Or, or none of the above, but, I mean, consider your Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... It's it's some pretty tough company to get up in an all-NBA, but he's... The numbers, I mean, he's clearly... He'd probably be all... Like, if we had stopped the season right now, he'd probably be second team, I would think. Right. Um, at the minimum. And so the question... The question for him is going to be now with Kemba Walker back, like how much, you know, he's not going to be averaging 27 a game anymore, but if he's averaging 24 a game and still doing it very efficiently, then that still, you know, puts him on that level. I'm going to say he doesn't get there. I'm going to say yeah. he like, he has the case to be on the third team by when it's all said and done. And I know for his contract, he makes more money. So I know he'll be, that, <laughs> that, that campaign will be very hard that I'm sure him and the, the Celtics are pushing, but I think he's going to fall just short. I think it's going to be one of those situations where it was a year, you know, like the reputation of someone else kind of beats him out for this year, but then he, he makes his way in, in the, in the next couple of years. But I don't know. I mean, if he keeps this up, he's going to be on it, but I just, it's hard to see him sustaining this low production with, um, with Walker coming back full time into the picture. Luckily, most, guys are healthy now too so when you think about like guys like durant um you know curry etc back healthy like getting on those all nba teams gets gets tough in a hurry but i mean his, his name should be out there like it's it, it's crazy the numbers he's putting up right now yeah it's been a long time coming i mean i'm I, i'm inclined to agree with literally everything you just said but it made me sad to hear it nonetheless <laughs> uh all the same brian thanks for stopping by um, you can find Brian at Boston Sports Journal, uh, where he covers all things Celtics. He also helps MC the Winning Plays podcast. If for whatever reason you need another Celtics podcast in your life, B Rob, thanks for dropping by. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so thanks again to Brian Rob from Boston Sports Journal for stopping in. And before we get out of here, Justin, I want to let our listeners know that we have some very cool t-shirts available to the Celtics Lab faithful. Uh, you can both ahead and find those there via design tree and you'll find a link either in the description or on the Celtics Wire page. You can go ahead and pick up as many of those as you can fit in your house and um, that'd be good so your friends know how much you love the Celtics Lab. Uh, otherwise, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Please go ahead and rate us a million stars on iTunes if you haven't already. Or otherwise, let us know if there's anything else you'd like for us to cover about the seas. Justin, I will talk to you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.